deep in the hearts of the Welsh valleys, a young man had dis- a deceptively young and unfathomably handsome man had decided that it was his destiny to become the greatest dog agility handler the world had ever seen. So he set about learning his craft. His front crosses were crisper than a dry December morning in the Brecon Mountains. His ketchkas were slicker than a boiled pigeon in a rubber tube sock. The intensity, accuracy and speed and natural flamboyance he brought far surpassed anything the sport had ever seen and would ever likely see again. The time was approaching where he would be ready to shine on the world stage and begin his legacy. But he realised, to win any battle you must first know your enemy. Welcome along, everyone, to another episode of Know Your Enemy, and today we have Marita Ogilvie. Marita is a current member of Team GB and has been on the team for both of the international events this year, the European Open and the Agility World Championship. Her young dog, Cicada, was on the podium for one of the rounds of the Agility World Championships as well, so I'm sure she's looking forward to next year already. Marita is also a very successful entrepreneur in her own right, and along with her husband, Craig, is the owner and CEO at Ogilvy Dogs. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Okay, so today we've got Marita. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Marita Ogilvie now, formerly known as Marita Davis, yeah. You can actually say my last name, which is good. Yeah, I know Craig, so I know how to say it. He's told me many times. Um, so we know your name. Who are you? Who are you today to yourself? In terms of agility or... Just if <laughs> someone said to you... Describe yourself to me. Who do you see yourself as today? Um, I guess a lot of me is defined by agility. Um, as we know, competing sort of at that level just consumer life. So that is a lot of me. Um, so a lot of me is defined by that. Um, but there's other components of me that probably people don't know about, which is like my my actual work which defines me and I'm really passionate about so yeah I guess agility and the other side of things do you want to talk about that or are we leaving that there yeah you can talk about it people might not I mean I'm really passionate about it but people might find it quite boring so I, I know you are as well and I know that I know what it is but I think it's interesting so I think people might find it interesting that you do these other things as well so give a brief overview maybe okay um so obviously I'm doing agility most of the time, but the other thing I'm passionate about is property. So um, sort of, I went to university and studied psychology, but I knew at the time that I wasn't really going to use the degree. I've used it in sort of like you, the things you learn, but yeah. not gone as a psychologist. Um, at the same time I was at university, I were, bought a property at auction. Um, so it was like self-studying um, while I was at university of how to do it. So I went and bought a property auction, which maybe it was a little bit risky <laughs> <laughs> but i did it um and then it just went on from there really um and then so i got into sort of buying and selling properties uh, for many years um so flipping them and then sort of when i had enough funds to start to hold on to them um i started renting them out and, and building a portfolio so that's the other side of things that i'm sort of really into so i get really excited about like browsing right move it's really quite sad but <laughs> <laughs> Right move can become obsessive, can't it? I remember when we were looking to move house, you're kind of on there any 10 minutes refreshing just in case. Yeah, see what's coming on. So, 
yeah um uh really interested in sort of like houses and, uh, and stuff so yeah with the um, with the properties that you get i know obviously you do the managing side of it do you do any of the renovation side or have you got teams who you call in um so in the beginning a lot of it was me um <laughs> i've done some crazy things i remember <laughs> like ripping up flooring and then realizing oh this might actually buy it be asbestos <laughs> <Things like that. laughs> so yeah back in the day when it was like you know minimal funds and you just wanted to get it renovated um then i was doing a you know a lot of it was more hands-on um but now i would sort of pay a team to get in and out as quick as possible um so you can get it rented out as as, as quick as possible um so yeah so i don't actually i'm I manage a couple that are easy, like got easy long-term tenants in, but we, we use a managed company for like the others that have got like multiple tenants in because it's just too much drama. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've had properties in the past and I, not not as a business, I but I, um, it's a lot of work involved when you think there isn't going to be much work. You think it's just yeah, passive yeah. income, but it's not like that, is it? No, it's not. There's always a drama. Um, and one of the houses is like, it's a HMO um, with seven people in it. Um, it's, it's like quite quite big, so everyone's got their own space. But there's always a drama, you know. They're always like something's happened in the house, or and, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be competing. And then people contacting me all the time, like, oh, there's a leak, or oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Is there any reason why you think you fell into that type of business, or is it just general curiosity? Um, honestly, when I was at university, I knew. Um, I knew I wasn't employable, shall we say. <laughs> um, I'm very good at working for other people. And I knew that very early on. And I was like, okay, what's going to, what can I do that I, where I can work for myself and what's going to give me a passive sort of income eventually, whereas I can do what I want, i.e. I can now do agility, um, but have these ticking in the background. So I had a long-term plan sort of like early on very clever in the sense that you were willing to put the work in early so that later on it wasn't such a hassle for you and it's afforded you the yeah. quality of life that you wanted so congratulations on that i know you're doing really well so yeah that's really really cool to hear that if you are willing to put the work in like with agility i suppose you can get what you want yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so let's go back to agility then how long have you been doing it and how long did you how did you get into it um i think I hit the 10 year mark this year actually or maybe halfway through last year so about 10 years um that I've been doing agility so I wasn't doing it as a kid I'm very jealous of these people that have been doing it like yeah. since they were really young I'm like how much more would I know <laughs> so um I got into it so I had dogs growing up, Jack Russell. So that's why I got Isla and uh, she's 14 now, but um, she was my first dog. So I, I carried on got a Jack Russell and we started with less like tricks. And then I went to like obedience with her. Didn't really know like what I wanted to do. Just wanted to do an activity with her. And I remember like being in an obedience hall, like on a late like Tuesday night with like older people that were, had all German shepherds and I was just there like I don't think this is me I mean Isla's like 3.5 kilos and she was just sat amongst <laughs> <laughs> these German shepherds I'm like this is probably not the sport for me so we did a bit of that and then um I went to an agility club and I was like 
I saw people like that were running probably like grade seven level. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'd love to be able to do that. So then I just started in the club um, with Isla for a few years, but she um, had luxating patellas on both knees. So I had to um, call it a day really early and got them operated on. And then um, I got Harvey um, from a rescue center, not knowing really, I was still messing about with Agility at that point. So I got him just as a, you know, just as a companion and uh, yeah, ended up bringing him to the club, uh, which was just the start of it all really. So so kind of fell into agility with Isla, fell in love with it with Harvey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You say fall in love with, it, with Harvey. I'm not sure I was in love with it with Harvey for the first years because it was very <laughs> painful. <laughs> I think sometimes though, I mean, similar story with me I got into it with the first dog who I had I kind of uh, adopted him off Amy he was originally Amy's dog and I never thought I'd end up doing agility but it so happened I fell into it after we had our kid and whatever Um, and you say that didn't fall in love with it immediately and I can I feel where you're coming from because in my first like obviously you've got no idea what you're doing I'm not you know in my first season of running Figaro I didn't have any clears, but not only that, I didn't have any runs that weren't eliminations. Mm-hmm. And I often think, I don't know how I stayed motivated to try and carry on. Yeah. But thinking about mm-hmm. it, I actually think that because of that, that is what made me kind of committed because I hated being so bad and I was yeah. so bad. Yeah. I was terrible. <laughs> like I look back on videos and obviously, I mean, you're not going to be a great handler in your first season, you know, but equally I would have expected to not at least have one run yeah. that wasn't an elimination. And it was probably that that made me actually stick with it. I thought I can't be this bad at something that looks so easy. <laughs> it's so painful to watch the videos back, isn't it? I watched them. I'm like, wow, what, what am I actually doing? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> no wonder, no wonder Harvey was running away out the ring because what the hell was I doing? <laughs> Yeah, we live and we learn. And that's a good like segue into the next thing. If you could go back to when you first started Agility, uh, is there anything that you know now that you wish you knew then? A hundred percent. Oh God, where do you start? Um, I think specific to Harvey, the main thing would have been like working on his sort of reinforcement before we entered the ring. So um, Harvey wouldn't play with toys and I don't think every dog needs to play with a toy, but you know, it was, it was always food for him. But once he had his food, he didn't want to interact with me and stuff. And then, uh, obviously I, I was working on it for many years. Um, obviously when Craig came along, he helped massively. He would like to take the credit for everything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, but yeah, so when, once we got him, you know, really interacting with me and, and we really had a, you know, sort of really good reinforcement structure in place, then, it was just so much easier. The agility was so much easier after that. So I think if I'd focused on that first rather than, and just waited on the agility a little bit longer, um, then it just would have made, uh, made things a lot, a lot easier, I think. So kind of getting in place a reward structure that you knew would have benefited him, I suppose, is one way of putting it. Yeah. And it took, it took years for him to, Harvey came with many behavioural issues, so we were always, well, I didn't know Craig then, I was working on them, um, sort of trying to get them sorted the best I can, and 
yeah, I think if uh, maybe I just took a little bit longer to find like, okay, what's the right rewards for you? How does it work? And like Harvey really, I'm so big on routines probably because of Harvey, because Harvey needed such a strong routine. Everything had to be the same from the moment you left the van to the moment you got back to the van. And it was constantly like interacting with him and reinforcement. And once I ticked all those boxes, the agility just got easier and easier and easier. So, you know, I think maybe if we'd we'd done some of those things earlier on, we wouldn't have had so much of running out the ring, etc. Yeah. <laughs> less embarrassment. <laughs> Putting the time in on the less exciting stuff helps it when the stuff gets more exciting, I suppose, than that. Yeah, but you don't know that in the beginning. No, do you? no, hundred percent. I agree. And especially you go to some, you know, sort of like a club, and you know, the sort of the people there weren't advising you either. So. You, you learn these things along the way but yeah it would it would make things easier if i'd have done those things sooner is there one particular bit of advice you maybe got off either a trainer or a fellow competitor that kind of sticks with you now and i suppose you could use something from craig but probably best not to otherwise his head will get too big exactly <laughs> i will avoid that uh, <laughs> um yes i know go on from sylvia trickman said to me i worked with her many many years online so that's where basically i learned most of my sort of agility education after i left the club was online with sylvia and she said to me make sure your dog always feels like a world champion before it even steps in the ring and that's always stuck with me and just making like them feel so special and so confident like in just daily life um before you even get in the ring um, I think that was a really important advice. So that's what that's one that's really stuck with me. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, so we've just we had a little chat before we started recording, and we were just talking about um, the the tour of Europe you've just done and the competitions. So we're going to come <laughs> on to the more competitive side of things now. And the first thing that I wanted to see is like, what do you see as success for you now? In terms of where I am in my agility career or for like success for each dog um good question um i would say maybe you could yeah for because to be honest like we're talking about agility but it could mean anything i mean success is different for different people so just generally what you know what is a, what is success to you in terms of agility success it's a tough um, question isn't it I have it's really hard because you have your micro goal, your macro goals and your micro goals, right? And so I have I have different goals that I'm trying to reach all the time. So I can't say that, you know, my big goals, I'm only succeeding when I meet them. Like, that's not fair. Um, the littler goals that, you, you know, you're putting in place for like one month, three months, six months, when I hit them, that's success to me as well. But to other people, if they saw my little training diary and they saw my goals, they'd probably be like, well, that's not much of a goal, but it's all the small, you know, accumulation of those 1%, you know, improvements that over the months, the three months, you know, hitting those goals, that is still success. So, um, yeah, I think, I think success feels, if it's good when you're just hitting those goals that you've wrote down for you and your dog and obviously i have two very different dogs now uh well i always have having harvey so each dog has their own goals as well and i make sure that i really split them out because if not you can get really disheartened if you have like if you just batch it and have one goal 
Yeah, and I think something that's important for people who perhaps haven't made goals before is, as you said, setting... Yes, you can have long-term kind of goals, macro goals, as you put it, um, but it, the important thing is to have smaller goals as well to maintain the motivation because sometimes if you're just working yeah. towards one bigger goal, it can seem so far off, it's easy to lose that motivation. Yeah, exactly. You, you've got to have lots in between to get to that, that big goal. Yeah, cool. In agility then, um, is there anyone who you admire, whether it be as a trainer, as a handler? Uh, is there anyone who you think, oh, you know, I, I really admire them? I'd like to emulate them in some way, maybe, or something else similar? Um, Sylvia's always been a big inspiration to me um, because it's not just about the agility. Um, I sort of really still follow so much that she, she taught me with tricks and stuff. Um, and I'm really big on tricks with my dogs, sort yeah. of as puppies and throughout their life. <laughs> so um, she's always been an inspiration because I think some people, you can be good at training agility, but also if you can train other things like tricks and behavior, then I think that makes you an even better dog trainer all round. So I always really respected her for that. Um, so she's definitely one. And obviously agility, was fantastic as well um she was achieving things you know long before many of us so. <laughs> i think it's, it'll only help you as a trainer if you start doing more different types of training it'll help you understand the dogs more as well won't it yeah you understand the dogs more you get more of a connection um if you're doing sort of tricks and learn how they learn i mean each dog learns differently so it, it helps you learn how they learn and you can take that into the agility field yeah, good bit of advice there as well. So you said that you've kind of been into agility around about 10 years. Um, and I know even in that amount of time, agility has changed almost to a point where it's unrecognizable to 10 years ago. Um, yeah. What would you like to see uh, as the future of agility? And what kind of impact do you see it having on us as handlers and the dogs? Um. I'm hoping agility starts to progress to always considering, you know, the, the sort of argument that everyone's putting across really safe, safe flowing lines. I'm not saying everything always needs to be fast and flowing, but, you know, you can have um, a course that's flowing fast and technical all in one. You know, it doesn't need to be just speed, but you can have lots of skills in there. Um, you know the the stuff we were doing 10 years ago that was like stop start stop start turn and i don't want to be doing that anymore we know that's no good for for our dogs as well so and it's just not as fun i mean when we come across that a course like that now because we've experienced so much better courses we all get a little bit deflated because that's <laughs> it's not what we want to do and we want to you know we know what is fun now and and what's better for the dogs um so yeah just keep seeing more courses like that rather than some interesting ones yeah, that yeah. we've seen. That's a polite way of putting it. They are they have been <laughs> there have been some interesting courses recently as well. And it's like you say, they do stand out like a sore thumb now because fortunately I feel we are moving in the right way. I should say the right way, yeah. the a way that I prefer anyway. Um yeah. If you could change one rule, um and because we run under 
the KC, let's make it KC rules because obviously FCI rules can be a little bit different. But if there was one rule that you were able to change and you could do it from tomorrow, what would it be? Oh, interesting. It's probably going to be the describe it the the distance between jumps there we go it's only simple um yeah just increasing that distance um for the kc to increase that distance i think would just help judges uh be able to set courses um and cater for so many more dogs with you know larger strides so i think it'd be changing that distance for sure that's a common one that people have chosen so yeah i'm not not yeah. overly surprised um in agility then, now we are fortunate enough to have four different heights, um, which was a recent rule change as well, right? Uh, for us anyway, yeah. for us in Britain it was. If I said to you then, you can steal one dog from each height, and they don't have to be in Britain, they can be from abroad, but is there immediately some dogs that come to mind who you really like? Giving you a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here to steal someone's dog. <laughs> God, I don't know. I'm not. I live in such a bubble that it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like. I do miss running a medium dog. Um, obviously Harvey never had that crazy speed, but I like the size. Yeah. So I would like to run in medium again. So, uh, yeah, maybe coming across a medium dog. But I'm trying to think a dog that would come to mind. Um, in the UK, um. Endeavour, the the yeah, super yeah. quick collie. That would be really cool to run in medium, um, because obviously the jump height being so much lower compared to intermediate, that would that would change your timing completely. So yeah, that'd be quite fun. Quite um, a challenge. I've never, well, yeah, a real challenge. Like you, it's, it's going to be non-stop running a dog like that. So <laughs> yeah, I'd like to give that a go. And probably Martin's little shelty. Um, because I've not really run properly in small, so it'd be nice to to give that a go and, and see how the timing feels. So probably two. Do you think there's any smaller dogs in your life in the future or is it just collies from now on? Um, I won't say never. At the moment, I'm just sticking to my collies, but I would never say never. Like I said, I would like another medium potentially, yeah. but I'm just not sure. There's one of the reasons why to... I got my, um, my newest pup because I enjoyed the, the difference, honestly. I quite enjoyed how different it was running a smaller dog. And I don't care if it's small or medium, just smaller than a collie. You kind of don't have to worry about the courses so much either kind of thing. It's a bit safer. Yeah, exactly. With regards to judges then, um, we're fortunate to have ran um, lots of cool courses this year. Is there any any judges who you really look out for or any judges' courses who you really enjoy running? Who's your favourites? I would have to say that Daniel Waltz, I don't know if it's Waltz or Waltz, he stood out for me. I mean, I've just done three weekends back-to-back um, in Europe and his his courses really stood out to me. They just... They were fast, which I love. Uh, personally, just love a fast course because yeah. I love to run. Um, but they were technical as well. Um, you couldn't run everywhere. You have to have, you know, there was dog skills involved where they had to go and do it on their own. Um, and they're just really clever having lots of traps, but, it, you know, just clever traps where if you handle or have the skills, it will go well. So he definitely stood out to me um, that I really enjoyed for sure. 
Yeah, he's got some cool... I, I've never run under him in a competition, but I've set his courses up and they are always... They're always challenging, but I always kind of feel he's got his own mark as well, where you can kind of tell it's one of his courses. I think that's a good... Yeah, thing. yeah. What are, what are your favourite competitions then? You've done three big ones recently. Is there any competitions that like stand out as being your favourites? Um... I feel like I probably still need to experience quite a few. I've got quite a few more on my sort of bucket list to experience um, for next summer. Um, sort of already writing out which ones I want to go to. So more crazy traveling. Um, but um, obviously really enjoying Iconics in the UK. Yeah. Um, always fantastic judges and the venue and surface. So it's something to look forward to. Um, and it's really hard because obviously I did the so I did the Denmark Open, European Open, and then Border Collie Classic. And although like the European Open is obviously just so different in between those two, because although it's in the it was in the exactly same place as the Denmark Open, the amount of different emotions you feel during that week <laughs> is is so different. It makes the other two just feel like just normal normal shows um once you've had the eos in the middle of that so it's a lot more not a lot more pressure on obviously yeah it's like oh. it changes things a little bit <laughs> yeah for sure um what about future goals then is there anything that like obviously i'm fairly sure that you'd like to be back on the gb team next year but is, i don't want to talk for you so tell us is there anything that's on your mind with regards to future goals yeah, so hoping next year that I make the team again um, with um, uh, potentially both dogs for the European Open. So um, it could maybe be Duke's last year um, and uh, Cicada will be really focused on getting her to hopefully both events um, if tryouts go well. So there will be the goals for next year. Let's cool. see if I achieve them or not. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to have them though. Like you say, some, it gives you that motivation when you're maybe not feeling it one day. You think, well, do you know what? If I say I want to do this, then I know I've got to do this. And that uh, kind of feeds into itself yeah. almost, right? Yeah. So let's talk more about Marita away from agility. Um, and it doesn't have to be away from agility, but questions more about yourself, I suppose. What do you feel that people misunderstand about you the most? <laughs> oh, Chris, that's quite a question. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm. People always say that I'm in my own little bubble, <laughs> which is a, which is a. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what misconceptions are. Um, I don't know what other people have thoughts are of me, but um, yeah, I just like to keep myself to myself and live it. Me and Craig live in a little, little bubble that we don't really know what's going on with the world, to be honest. Um, and then I go and do my agility. So <laughs> that's pretty much me. Yeah, I think that it's quite surprising as well that um, I've done like a few of these now. And one of the like I ask similar questions on most, and this is one of the questions I ask all the time because often it, it's it's quite hard to answer questions like this because you don't put yourself in that position. Um, yeah. But quite, um, I don't know what you'd say, lots of people have had a very similar answer in the sense that kind of what you're oh, saying yeah. is like when you're saying you're in your own bubble, it's like more introverted. But because you are 
like known in the sense that like you've competed at a high level for a long time. So people know who you are. I think they feel that they sh can talk to you or something maybe. And it's like, I speak for myself rather than speaking for you is like a lot of people might know me through karma fitness, a lot of clients and all that kind of thing. Cause they see me. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean I know them because like their picture on Facebook is their dog. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's yeah quite, exactly. like I'm quite an introverted person until I get to know someone and then, you know, it's fine. Cause like, I know you, so I feel comfortable chatting to you and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But like, I'm not the type of person who'll go out of my way to speak to someone. I no. need them to come to me. And I guess that's quite similar to yourself as well. I know we've spoken about these things before. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the case. I'm not I'm not super confident to go up to people and start a conversation. Um, it takes me quite a while. Um, I'm always polite to everyone. Um, oh, well, I, I really hope I am. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, it takes me a while. So even if I've met you a few times, like, um, I mean, maybe as in the beginning, Chris, I probably spoke to you a few times, but then, you know, over the years, I've got to know each other and now we can have a conversation. So it's no problem. But yeah, it does take me a little time to get to to conversation level <laughs> yeah for sure uh what do you think is the thing that you're most proud of i guess inside agility it is to me but other people might think well maybe not but um when harvey won his ticket so harvey won four reserve championship tickets and one ticket and I went through a journey with that dog and I will never forget the feeling. I just cried and I was sending photos to Craig and I was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe this actually happened. Like it's nothing. I never thought it could happen. It was just like plugging away, plugging away. And it did. And that has the biggest frame in my house. It sits in the middle of everything. And yeah, that, that would be my biggest achievement because it's it's different with the collies like if they win a ticket obviously it's absolutely fantastic but it never it will never be quite as special as getting harvey i mean even getting harvey to stay in the ring was a win so <laughs> well it's like you say you know the work has gone into it and that that's what makes it yeah. more kind of special to you i suppose right because you've yeah. seen how far you've had to take his training to get him to the point that you did right yeah exactly yeah so that one sits with pride in the house <laughs> what do you think then um what is your biggest failure and then what did you learn from it oh god ask me that question after three weeks away hey uh, <laughs> <laughs> um my biggest failure Seems like it's a nasty question, but I actually see it as quite like an uplifting one because most of the time you'd like to think anyway, that on the biggest failure, we like learn lessons from it, right? And like anyone who is competing at a high level, they're obviously trying to learn the lessons and trying to progress because otherwise they wouldn't have got to where they are. You never fall to the top of a mountain, right? You have to lose more times than you win. So is there anything that stands out as a lesson that you've learned to see you? seen you well on your journey towards competing like you do? A lesson would be um, when I've not trusted myself, whether in my training or competing, every time I've not trusted myself, I it hasn't gone to plan or I've questioned my training um, and it hasn't 
as soon as I start to believe in, you know, and stop questioning myself and carry on with my training the way I wanted to do it or the way I believed in it, you know, it turned out better. But when I start to question myself that, you know, can I do this? Am I doing the right thing? That's when, uh, that's when more failures happen for sure. <laughs> I think that's good, good advice. Trust you get, obviously think about it, but kind of, yeah, you know, you've been doing it at a level that you have for long enough that you're obviously doing the right things. And it's kind of, you need to trust yourself sometimes, I suppose. Yeah. And that's not to say not like I'm still always looking to learn from people and, you know, still taking lots of people advice, but just in those moments when it's that, like you said, that gut instinct and you need to make the right decision for you. When I haven't done that, that's when it's gone wrong. Yeah. Is there anything then in, and it can be in agility, it can be as a teacher, it can be as a competitor, it can just be in normal life. Is there anything that really annoys you or makes you angry? <laughs> lack of rewarding. Yeah. I'd say in agility, definitely lack of rewarding. Again, probably stems from Harvey because win or lose, whether he'd be in an absolute pain, <laughs> ran out the ring, no matter what he would do, he needed to know he was the most special boy and he would still get a reward and everything had to be fine. And um, the same with Duke, really. I mean, she's a completely different story, but she is so sensitive that, you know, I couldn't ever let her know she was wrong. If I let her know she was wrong then, or not reward her, I wasn't gonna, gonna, gonna move forward. So yeah, that would be the one thing for me. Lack of rewarding. Anything outside of agility? I'll give you something that annoyed me today. Someone didn't put their trolley back in the supermarket. <laughs> that tells me all I need to know about that person. I was just like, you needed um, to take like 10 more steps and you'd have taken that trolley back, but you didn't. <laughs> that tells me everything I need to know about that person. It winds me up. <laughs> um, um, what annoys me? But you just made me think of something. It's, it's really pathetic, but just uh, people when people don't indicate. Like, yeah, it drives yeah, that's, me insane. That's the kind of thing I'm all about. It's just little things, isn't it? And you just think, do you know what? It drives me insane. It's like, it's, it, like you said, all you've got to do is press a little handle and then I know where you're going. Like, <laughs> Do you get road rage? Um, Not so much now. I'm a much calmer person than I used to be. Probably you. <laughs> years ago i would get road rage but i still like i mean if you spoke to craig um about indicating i'm always like you haven't indicated you need to indicate like he hates being in a car with me so that's your big bugbear yeah no i get that as well it's, it's frustrating gets me as well um best thing you've bought recently uh and let's go like something under a hundred hundred pound is there anything you've bought and you thought oh that could be that's really useful i wish i'd bought that earlier oh yeah um, I don't know how recent it was, but um, sorry, Duke is joining me. Um, hand warmers, right. but not for myself, for the dogs. So they're just off Amazon. They don't, I think they were like 30 pounds each, if that. And they get, it's like a pebble shape and they're really smooth and they get really hot. So you, you know when you like warm your dog up and then you, you go to the ring and there might be a delay or you just feel that you're there longer than you want it to be and you're starting to worry about the dog getting cold. You can just hold them on the dog and because they're smooth, they really glide over the fur quite nicely. Nice, that's good. So, I like that, that's yeah, a good tip. That yeah, that, that'll come in useful for a lot of people, I reckon. Um, yeah. So let's imagine then I've got a crystal ball and I'm letting you use it because I'm that kind of guy. Um, you can find out one thing about your future. Firstly, would you want to? 
And then secondly, if you did want to, what would you like to find out? I would say I probably wouldn't want to know because, yeah, the things I would want to know, I'm not sure if it would help me in any way. Um, it'd either make me go one way or the other. Um, <laughs> it's like a, I don't want to become like... A bit, isn't it? It's like... Yeah, yeah. I feel like I just need to keep doing what I'm doing and plugging away without knowing the outcome. Um, I'm trying to think, though, but what it would be, what would I want to know? Don't get offered these opportunities often. You've got to make the most of it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess it would be I would want to know if I'm going to achieve my big goals. You know, the, the your top goals right at the top of the list. Am I going to achieve those? Um, so, but again, if I found those out, how motivated would you be? You know, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's what I always think as well. That's literally my exact point is like, Number one, would it take away from how special it would be if you knew you're already going to do it? And then yeah. number two, does it kind of take away the drive for putting in the work when you know you've already done it? And then, you know. Yeah, you might be like, well, I know it's going to happen, so I won't bother. Or you'd be like, no, I'm not ever going to achieve it, so what's the point? So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of it that way around. I'm just assuming I've already yeah, so you won. Yeah, but if you find out you're not going to do it, then you'd be like, well, I'm not going to bother. And then you just become lazy. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a, good, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. So we go into the quick fire round. Uh, shouldn't take much thought okay. with regards to the answers. Um, what did you have for breakfast? Or oh, avocado and tomatoes on toast. Very nice. I like that. Bit of black pepper on the avocado. Oh, no, I don't like black pepper. No, just salt. You're letting yourself down there to be honest but there we go uh last thing you googled um oh god what have i it'll be something really boring now my <laughs> my day um oh um a gate company to fix my gate <laughs> <laughs> when did you last sing and what song was it sing yeah Never. I can't sing. I would not know. <laughs> when you ever sing in your car or anything like that? I'm a terrible singer. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah, if no one's there, but Jesus, I can't sing. Um, oh, God, I don't know. What it, I think it was a Julipa song. I don't even know how you say her name. Something like that. I get you. But yeah, no, I can't sing. So, so do, do you play any instruments then? No, no, I don't. No. Never been interested in doing that, have you? No, I thought about the piano. I think if I was going to play something, it'd be the piano. That that is of interest to me. But no, I've never. I've always. I can't hold still long enough in the past to ever <laughs> sit down and learn. So yeah. now I'm getting older. I can. I can start to sit down a little bit more. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? Ooh, that's not a yes or no question, is it? I would say no, not ghosts, but perhaps believe there is like maybe a dual reality or something oof uh, that's one i could dig into further but it's the quick fire round so i won't any tattoos yes one on my right wrist i have my name um which everyone always says in case you get in lost. case you forget your name yeah yeah Got you. yeah <laughs> if you could have a superpower what would it be really fast recovery <laughs> super like wolverine then yeah <laughs> okay um so i asked you what your superpower would be <clears throat> but in this situation now i've got a superpower and my superpower is i can give you the ability to have a conversation with your dogs for 10 
10 or 20 seconds. So I've got like Dr. Doolittle type powers and I'm able to give them to you. So <laughs> in those 10, 20 seconds, what are you telling them? Well, I thought you were going to ask me to do their voices then. I'm like, Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, that should be my question. That should be the question. Yeah, like, do, I thought you were going to say, do your dog's voice of how they would sound if they could speak. Oh, brilliant. That should be my question next time. Have your dogs got accents then when you pretend to speak as them? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we do voices for each dog in the house all the time. That's what me and Craig, Craig are a little bit crazy. Yeah, we do that as well. i got to be honest. Um, so what would they say? Well, what would you say to them? No, what would you tell them? In what would you say? Um, I, oh God, I would, what would I say to them? I would tell Juka that she doesn't need to worry about everything in life, that everything is okay and that she can keep calm and that I love her so much. <laughs> um, um, I would tell Cicada that she she can not be so crazy all the time and that she can just use her brain. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Chill out. <laughs> yeah, chill out. I mean, I've got a lot of dogs, so I won't go through them all. Yeah, we'll stick with that. That's a, that's a good amount. Um, so before we leave, and firstly, thank you so much for giving us some of your time. I know you're busy, so I really do appreciate it. Um, no, before we go, is there anything that you would like to talk about, anything you want to plug, let people know about, that kind of thing? Uh, no, not really. Um, no, just thanks for having me. Um, yeah, hopefully you got to know me a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it was a good chat. Like I said, it's, um, it's always good to have a little bit of a longer opportunity to speak to people to find out more about who they are. And yeah, no exception. Thank you so much for giving us your time, Marita. And if you want to say goodbye. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Cheers to that. And that is the end of the podcast. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. I really hope you enjoyed. If you think you might know someone else who would enjoy, feel free to pass on all the information and share the podcast with them. And get involved on any of the social media platforms. It really helps the podcast grow and I really appreciate it. See you in the next one.